You're listening to Grow and Tell with Estelle May. She's a no-nonsense, hard-hitting, tell-you-like-it-is kind of host. Because you know those overwhelming things we avoid in life? Turns out they're not so scary once you break them down. Whether it's effectively managing your career, being vulnerable in your relationships, or working on your financial literacy, she believes the best version of ourselves involves being brave and well-informed. Come join her and find the courage to land that job, pay off that debt, forgive that friend, and fall in love with yourself. If you're looking to laugh, learn, and grow together, you're in the right place. So put on your big girl pants and let's figure this out together. Here's your host, Estelle May. Hi everyone, Estelle May here, and I'm so excited to have my business and life coach here today, Lupe Prado. We've been working together for almost a year now, and the other day, a a listener actually asked me to do an episode on goal setting, and I thought, who better than Lupe to do this with? So thank you so much for coming on the show. You're welcome. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) All right. For those just tuning in, what was your journey in becoming a business slash life coach? So so my background is actually in accounting. So I used to be an auditor. I worked in a public accounting firm, one of the big four. And um, then I went to do financial reporting for oil and gas. So that's my background. But I've always known I'm a people person. And so people were always in my office help, talking to me about their problems and like, and that's the part I enjoyed most about work, the people. Mm-hmm. So I hired a coach when at a point in my career where I was pretty burnt out, I was like having these horrible headaches that wouldn't go away and I couldn't figure out why. And they were stress related because I was just working a really long hours and just deeply unhappy at work. And so I, my boyfriend, now husband said, you should call a coach. I had never heard of coaching, never tried it before. So mm-hmm. I Googled career coach Dallas, cause I'm in Dallas. She was the first person I came up. Her name's Kristen, shout out to Kristen. <laughs> and she changed my life. Like I worked with her for years and she helped me see that I needed to transition from the accounting firm to a place where I had more space to really figure out what did I really want to do with my life? And so I, I, I transitioned to the oil and gas company, had balance. I had a great team, great managers, but I still wasn't happy mm. or not unhappy, but I just didn't feel uh, necessarily fulfilled or like I was doing what I was meant to be doing. So through my work with my coach, I realized I want to do this for other people. And so I didn't tell anyone at work, but I started doing coach training. Mm-hmm. I completed that. And then I'm, I had my baby. I had a baby girl mm. and Um, after, um, having her, I realized like, I want to set an example for her that I'm not going to spend the next 30 years of my career, uh, in a job that just doesn't really make me happy. So, uh, I left corporate America, took a couple months to be with my baby and, um, and then started a master's program that a concentration in executive coaching. So continued that journey and I'm finishing the master's here in December and growing my business. And I love it. I love, I finally feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. I think that there is so much confusion for a lot of people, what exactly a life slash business coach is, whatever you want to call it. And so I get a lot of questions, especially when I post things on Instagram and I'm saying, you know, I've had such a great conversation with my coach and people always think like, what, what do you need coaching for? You know, I don't run this gigantic business you know, I'm not really seeing a therapist necessarily. And so what is a good way to describe that? I've heard that people describe it as therapy is more talking about your past mm-hmm. and coaching is more about a future. Is that accurate? 
Yeah. So, uh, so the way I like to tell clients when they first call in for a session is coaching is um, about the present and the future. And I ask, as a coach, I ask my clients questions to help them get clarity, um, you know, uncover like limiting beliefs and, and create like an action plan on what they want to do next around their goals. It's not mentoring or consulting where I won't tell my clients what they quote should do. Right. So like Mm -hmm. research shows that we're actually more committed to the things that we kind of figure out for ourselves. But in the coaching process, I'm like that accountability partner. And I'm the person that kind of holds up a mirror for my clients to see themselves more clearly. Um, And it's different from therapy in that we don't dive into the past. We focus on what's going on now and the future. Mm-hmm. But I always tell clients, especially with my style of coaching, it can feel very therapeutic. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the sessions, um, my clients usually feel clarity. They usually feel lighter. They usually feel energized. Mm-hmm. And they usually have a plan on what to do next. They have some actionable steps that they can take towards their goals. So it's a really cool process um, that when we're not familiar, it may seem like, well, what are we doing with coaching? But it really changed my life. So I'm a huge believer that everyone can benefit from it. I love that. And my husband always asks me every time when I get off a call with you, he always (laughs) says like, how do you feel? And the number one thing I always say is relieved Mm. is something that I feel um, more connected to myself, more clear in what exactly I was feeling or experiencing at the time. And I think that sometimes people forget or don't realize that everything is connected you might be talking about your life, um, but it's connected to your work. It could be connected to your relationships. I think it all yeah. has a snowball effect. And so I, that's why I really value coaching and why I don't need to be running a business necessarily to feel the value in, for me personally. Yeah. And, and, you know, what we learn in coach training that is that like, regardless of what kind of coach, you know, we um, decide to be like executive coach, career coach, business coach. After the first couple of sessions, it's all really life coaching because Mm -hmm. we're focused on the whole individual. We're not just, you know, who we show up as, as at work is the same person who we are at home for the most part. I mean, we're, we can't just silo ourselves into this is my work person. And this is my home person. Like, Mm-hmm. whole beans. And so as coaches, we work with the person, like the whole person. So that's a really awesome. cool process. Yeah. So the reason why I want to do this episode is that a listener reached out and said, you know, I would really love it if you did an episode on goal setting. So that being said, in your opinion, what exactly is goal setting? Yeah. I think goal setting is really, really important, first of all. And it's something that we probably, I don't like saying we should do something, but it's something that really can help us reach our goals faster and get really clear on what it is we want. Mm -hmm. And I'm rereading a book that I read like 10 years ago and that really helped me when I was in college and I'm rereading it. And in it, uh, it's called The Success Principles um, by Jack Canfield, who is the author of like all the chicken soup for the soul books. Mm. Have you read those growing up? I love reading those growing up. (laughs) I know, me too. (laughs) Just... Uh, just, yeah, I love those. And and he's been really successful and he, I think used to be a teacher in Detroit and you know, didn't make a lot of money. And so now he's, you know, sold millions and millions of books. And in this book, he talks about what he thinks are the keys to success. And mm-hmm. you may have, you may have heard this. A lot of people have heard about this, like Ivy league graduation where they said, Hey, raise your hand if you wrote down your goals. And then they tracked these people 10 years later. And the people who had written down their goals actually were more likely to achieve them. 
Mm. Um, so it's a, that's actually not a true story, but a, that really inspired a researcher to um, to really go into that and say, is it true that we're more effective, that we're more likely to achieve our goals if we write them down? So uh, there's a researcher by the name of Dr. Gail Matthews and Dr. Stephen Cross, and they did this study, like, are we more likely to achieve our goals if we write them down? And the answer is yes. Mm. Um, they actually have like a different group. So one group just thought about their goals and they 43% of those people actually achieved their goals. The second group thought about their goals and wrote them down. And those people were 56% more likely to reach their goals. The group four thought about their goals, wrote down their goals, and then shared it with a friend. And those people were 64% more likely. Wow. And then finally, group five thought about their goals, wrote down their goals, shared it with a friend, and had a weekly progress report with a friend. Mm. And those people were 76% more likely to achieve their goals based on this study. And so I think that really kind of illustrates how important it is to, to have goals and to write them down and share them with people that, you know, that we trust and, and have some accountability um, because it can really make a difference in whether we achieve them or not. I, I think that the writing them down, but the sharing them to me makes it very real because mm -hmm. then you have other people pulling for you, rooting for you. Mm -hmm. um, I think sometimes people might feel anxious because if you tell someone your goal, you feel the pressure. Um, yeah. But I think that more so than not, people will be encouraging. And it's actually a positive effect and a less scary one, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. I mean, and there's a lot of people that will say, I won't tell anyone my goals until I achieve them, right? Or until they're kind of like a thing that's going to happen. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm more of thinking like if we share the goals with someone we trust or a coach or, you know, someone that we can have some accountability with, mm -hmm. um, it really can motivate us. And, and for example, when I first start, started thinking about starting my own podcast, I shared it on Instagram and it wasn't, a, I was shared it with friends too, but I shared it on Instagram. And for me, that was a very public thing. Like, okay, Hey, I said I was going to do this. Yeah. No, and there was, I got so much encouragement and support. And for me, because I am a person who, I think there's a book called uh, by Gretchen Rubin. Now I can't remember the name, but she talked the four, I think the four types. Uh, now I can't remember, the name is escaping me, but that there's certain people that can achieve their goals or more likely to achieve their goals if they do it with friends. So working out in a group, mm. uh, you know, doing things with other people. And that's definitely me. And so, um, that's why I think it's been so great for me to work with my own coaches because they've helped me kind of move forward. That's like the, why Peloton is just killing it. Oh yeah. I love my Peloton. I'm like the biggest, like, <laughs> I know. The biggest like Peloton, you know, fan. Yeah. And it is because, um, mm -hmm. you have, you can share with friends, you can have the video camera on and work out with friends. And so it creates this virtual community that some, right now it's kind of hard to have that community because we yeah. COVID and we can't just go to a workout class necessarily. Yeah, for sure. I, I, from a marketing perspective, cause that's what I do for a living, um, mm -hmm. on the side, not on the side, but that's what I do is my nine to five. I love when I see brands like that, just take a hold of a situation and they really push during COVID and it's really paid off. And I think they've made people feel so connected during a really scary time for a lot of people. 
And so, oh yeah, for sure. And I just keep seeing more and more people like just take, you go ahead and buy, like at first, when I first thought of Peloton, I'm like, oh, it's kind of expensive. I don't know. Like, yeah. do I really, am I really going to use it? Mm-hmm. Um, but um, this pandemic was just a perfect opportunity to really like commit to it. And I've seen so many people join and it's fun. It's a lot of fun. So moving on, do you, this is a question that I think is really kind of stops people sometimes, or they get caught up. Is that, do you have to set long-term goals or short-term goals? And how do you exactly separate those? Well, so at the beginning of the year, I like to take some, and this I kind of picked up from my coach because she had like a year-long coaching program that I was a part of for a couple of years. And so, you know, a lot of people are like, by January 1st, I have to have my goals. But she was more of the uh, thinking of like, take your time, really thinking about your goals. So within the first month, January, a couple weeks into January, um, I really think about, okay, long-term, what would I like short-term? I allow myself to dream, but I think both are important short-term. So there, so we can check things off mm-hmm. and feel that momentum. Cause if they're all long-term and we don't feel like we're achieving things, right. um, it can be pretty deflating. Mm-hmm. So having both the short-term and the long-term and also being flexible and knowing that these may change. We may have more information and say, you know what, actually I want to tweak this goal and that's okay. Uh, because I know sometimes we might set a goal and say, well, no, I can't change it now. I'm not going to be a quitter. I'm not going to, you know, mm-hmm. but things change. So being flexible and open to that, that doesn't mean that we're not achieving them or that we're um, quitting or whatever, but just being flexible and knowing that circumstances change. COVID, perfect example. A lot of people wanted 2020 to be this year of maybe travel or, you know, things that, you know, just weren't necessarily possible. And so um, it's just being flexible with that and being kind to ourselves. Studies show that writing them down uh, Mm -hmm. works. And so writing them down and then also being flexible. So an example, I would guess, so that when someone's listening and they're hearing these goal settings, Mm -hmm. so short-term uh, I would say like long-term, maybe buy a house, you know, maybe that's someone's goal, mm-hmm, something that mm-hmm. might take a little bit longer to save for, or maybe you're not, maybe it's not even in the two-year plan. Maybe it's a 10-year plan. And then yep. short goals, is that more something that's less than a year? Is that what you would probably consider a short goal? Yeah, I would even break it down. I like to break them down into like quarters. So like the first three months, mm. even I, I think like breaking down goals into smaller. So like uh, when I was trying to get my coaching hours up, I said, okay, I want to reach a few hundred hours the first year. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then divide that by 12. Okay. What would that put me at every month? And then just, mm-hmm. okay, what would that, you know, put me every week kind of mm-hmm. having an average, it just breaks it down. So it makes it simple. Mm-hmm. Um, so I consider anything above a year to be long-term. Okay. And then short-term can be anything. It could be a weekly thing. It could be a monthly thing. It's really just the breakdown of the bigger goals too. So something that I have heard from people too is, you know, they say, I don't know what my goals are. And so I wrote down, how do you know what goals to strive for? Or, you Mm, you know what I mm -hmm, mean? Because mm -hmm. I guess it could get confusing if you name things like a goal that actually, I don't know. I'm not really sure what I'm trying to say. (laughs) I'm trying to say (laughs) is that, you know, how, I guess, important or large does something have to be for it to be considered a goal? you know, how mm-hmm. small, is that making sense in terms mm-hmm. of how mm-hmm. impactful mm-hmm. it is to your life? Cause a goal mm-hmm. could be, I don't know, you want to be able to lift 20 pounds heavier in a month, right? That could be mm-hmm. someone's goal or mm-hmm. a goal could be, you know, by the end of the year, you'd like to have reached a promotion. 
Mm-hmm. I guess the goal is just a very personal thing. Yeah. I, you know, the way I like to measure goals is uh, one, does it, is it exciting for me? Am I enthusiastic mm. about that goal? Because otherwise it could be just kind of like a to-do list. So like a right. goal to finish that report at work. Right. Well, yeah. But that's kind of like also part of our job and like, we have to kind of do it right. It is a goal, right? right? But, but like, I, when I think about goals, like I like to think about what are we most, enthu- what am I most enthusiastic about? What am I most excited about? Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, what can benefit me long-term. So like this master's program that I'm finishing up here in December. Yes, of course I was excited and I was enthusiastic, but mm-hmm. also, you know, it's a lot of work. And so I also thought about it as strategically, like, this is really important for my career. Like, I'm not sure exactly what direction I might take my coaching. It might be executive later. I don't know. Uh, but I wanted to keep that kind of open. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the, my number one is I like to ask clients, which goal are you? Because sometimes there's two goals that clients are trying to figure out which to pursue. Like, they could be kind of if I go this route and start a business or I take this promotion at the main, my corporate role, right. It could mm. be two totally different things. Um, which one are you most excited about mm. and enthusiastic about? It kind of gives us a signal like, Oh well, yeah. Uh, that starting that business I'm super excited about and mm. corporate maybe, or uh, you know, I'm making this up, but like corporate, mm-hmm. maybe I feel like I should do this and not as excited about. So that's a good measure. I like that because I, feel like a lot of the times we put that aside. The part that we do get excited about, you know, a lot of the times we'll say, well, that can't be as serious because Mm -hmm. it excites us. I don't know. There's something about something being fun that sometimes isn't related to work, you know, or isn't as serious. So I like that. That's a good way to break it down is what excites you. And then, so if you write down this goal, I wrote down here, how do you know that you've achieved it? So I'm assuming mm-hmm. that when you write them down, they ha- you have to be very specific in yes. what that means to achieve it and not sort of a blanket statement. Right. Yes. Okay. So like being as specific as possible. So, um, you know, if it's, uh, you know, if you own your business and you want to make a certain amount of money by this date at noon, you know, okay. um, like being super specific so you can know exactly, did I achieve it or not? And, mm-hmm. and, and not to beat ourselves up, right? Like, so if I miss my revenue goal by... you know, uh, that's okay. Right. But I probably would have been less likely to achieve it if I hadn't had that very specific goal. Mm -hmm. Um, so being very specific allows the kind of our brains to start trying to figure out how to get there. Cause if I said, I want to make this revenue goal, but I don't know when, like whenever, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's just open-ended, I'm not as focused. And so our brain kind of subconsciously starts trying to figure out how to get there and consciously. I like that. I recently hired a fitness coach and yes, it has been so helpful because we have these goals and Mm -hmm. before it was just sort of, I'm just trying to lose weight, but Mm -hmm. now I have how much stronger am I trying to get? You know, how many inches am I trying to lose? Um, Is it necessarily a scale thing? I'm measuring how I'm feeling. So there's on the days that I feel like I'm not really reaching my goals or getting there there's actual proof that with the data that I am progressing. And I think there's something also about writing that down. And if you break them down into really small parts that you can have these little wins and feel more encouraged to keep going. Yes. And, uh, you know, I can't remember where I've heard this. I've heard it from different people in different books or whatever, like uh, what we track, we can improve. And so like even just eating like 
healthy, right? Like uh, whatever that means. Like if we're trying to eat more salads, we'll like just put it in our calendar. How many days did I actually eat a salad this month? A little checkbox or a little one, or, you know, like yeah. we have a very, it's very unbiased. It's like just data, like you said. Mm-hmm. And okay, well, next month I want to eat salads five more days a month or work out five more times. And it's, um, it's tracking it for it. And I know I've shared this with you in our session, but for <laughs> listeners, what has been really interesting for me, hiring a fitness coach, I should actually shout out Darren Starr. Uh, he also has a podcast. Um, he, the, the good thing of the, about this process with goal setting is that we have these goals. And then what I've realized is internally, I will always assume that I haven't made progress. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. my internal self will look at myself in the mirror and be like, wow, you really haven't changed much. What has, you know, what have you even accomplished? I'm just very negative sometimes and very mean to myself. But then it's so nice that that there's this black and white data that Mm -hmm. is unemotional. It's not on anyone's side. It's just there. And it'll, you know, I have actual photos. Photos don't lie. There are changes. I write down my weight. That stuff doesn't change. And so Mm -hmm. having something to go back to, is really nice when sometimes you second guess yourself, but it's actually true that it's happening. For sure. And I think you're, you're not alone in that feeling. Like I see this with clients all the time. It's like, depending on how we're feeling, the mood we ha- we're in that day, it's like, I haven't accomplished anything. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, versus like, you know, like you just said, looking at the data and it's actually, you know, I have, or mm-hmm. uh, that's, I, that's one of the aspects I like about the Peloton, not that this is a Peloton commercial, <laughs> but like they tell you, they give you a little checkbox every time you work out. Right. And it, um, mm. so I can see, okay, how many, how, how did I do against last month? How many more times did I work out? And it's like trying to find ways to track it as easy as possible, an app, a calendar, like something that's already embedded into a program to mm-hmm. give us some real data. So what is a good, I don't know if there's a, I mean, it's going to be a different strategy for everybody mm-hmm. who sets goals, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. what are kind of some tips to making sure that someone can reach a goal? Mm-hmm. Is that more break it down into small pieces or because everyone's motivated by, I feel like different things. Yep. Okay. So this one's going to be more around mindset, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is um, sometimes a thing that we don't talk about when we talk about goals. And so I highly recommend a book for your listeners called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And in it, he talks about that we set goals sometimes and we think about the outcome. So let's say you want to run a marathon. Okay. That's the outcome. And then we think, so that's, if we were thinking about a circle, that's the outer circle. Um, the inner circles of processes. So, okay, what do I need to do? Run a marathon. So if we were breaking down that goal, let's say you're running a marathon in December, it's January. Okay. I need to come up with my running plan and run so many miles these every week, whatever. That's the processes around buying the shoes, you know, whatever it is. And then the center of that. So for outer circles, outcomes, mm-hmm. running a marathon, inner circle is processes. And then the very center of that Uh, of these circles is identity. And this is a part most people miss. And I think this is why most people, it's very hard for a lot of us to stick to goals, right? Is we're not clear on what the center is. And the center is identity. And it's who do we want to become by achieving this goal? Because really, that's what we're really after. Who do I become when I run this marathon? 
who am I? I'm a runner. I'm a person who runs and is healthy. That's what we're really craving at the core of it. And, and we forget, we dismiss that. We might run the marathon and then we stop running. And then we feel bad about ourselves. We're like, oh, I ran the marathon, but I don't even run anymore. Mm-hmm. Because what we're really after is that identity, who we are. And so I tell clients, and this is all in his book, um, start with your identity first. Who do you want to become as a result of these goals? Who do you want to be? I want to be, I want to have high energy. I want to be healthy. I want to be a runner. I want to have energy for my kids, whatever it is, like get really clear. Who is it that I'm trying to become? And then you layer in the processes, which processes I I recommend starting with little things, habits. Okay. If you want to become a runner, start really small. I'm going to go for a five minute walk every day just super simple, even more simple, two minute walk up and down my block, you know, like Mm -hmm. super, super small. And then every time we achieve that two minute walk, that five minute walk, it's reinforcing our identity. Oh, I am a runner. I am a walker. Mm. I do work out. And it starts changing what we believe about ourselves because a lot of times we don't achieve goals like uh, losing weight or Uh, running the marathon because we don't believe we actually can. We don't believe at the core, I'm a runner or I'm a healthy person. So first we have to start in what do I want to be? Who do I want to become? Get really clear. Then start layering in small habits, small things that prove to us, that's evidence, that's data for us. Mm -hmm. And we can say, oh, I went Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Okay, that's okay. Friday, I went for a walk. Okay, next week I might do seven minutes. Okay. And it's starting to say, oh, that is who I am. I am a person who works out. Mm -hmm. I am a person who eats healthy. And then the outcome is what we achieve at the end, right? So like we lost the weight, we ran the marathon. So the outcome is important, but I would argue that the most important part is what we believe about ourselves and how our mindset changes. And I think that's what most people miss, the identity part, who Mm. we want to be. I think that the identity part is a lot deeper than just saying, I want to lose 30 pounds. You know what I mean? You kind of have to take a step back and think, I want to lose 30 pounds because I want to feel X, Y, and Z, whatever that would be to you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It ends. It's deep stuff. I mean, my husband, you know, we were talking about this earlier. My husband wants to lose some weight Mm -hmm. and he's like, well, why why can't I just, you know, and then we, okay, do you want me to put my coach hat on and share some, you know, (laughs) and okay, this is, and you know, it's, it really is true because it's really, he's perfectly capable. He knows what he needs to do. He knows, you know, he's done it before he's perfectly capable, but it's kind of that identity that Mm. he, you know, is trying to get some clarity on and really start building some evidence by doing the small things. I love that. Okay. So we've covered so many things of my list, but I still want to go through, make sure that I'm very clear on each mm-hmm. one. But yeah. mm-hmm. so why, if someone was like, I don't really want to set goals, that's not really for me. What, mm-hmm. how, why would you argue that setting goals is powerful or beneficial to someone who has maybe never done that before? Yeah. So I would say just kind of like we mentioned, I mentioned that study earlier, Mm -hmm. like there's real data, there's real studies that have been done that show Mm -hmm. that you're more likely to achieve them. And so I would argue like it can't hurt, right? To like Mm -hmm. set these goals, write them down. Um, I, I think of the most successful people I know 
And I like asking questions like this, like, what do you do at the beginning of the year? Like, do you write your goals down? You know, like, mm-hmm. what is it? And it's fascinating to me that that's a common thing, thing right? So uh, my father-in-law has been really successful in his uh, career and he takes time every start of every year to write down his goals. And it's nothing fancy. He says he puts it in a Word document and he's old school, but like he does use mm-hmm. like a, his, the Word document mm-hmm. and he writes them down. Um, another key thing too is that... Um, Jack Canfield mentions it in his book is having either like a goals book or index cards or like a notebook, a vision board, something that where we can see our goals because for some people they'll write them down and then they put them in the drawer Mm -hmm. under the stack of things and never see them again. Right. Next January. So Mm -hmm. it's really important to revisit them because they remind us of what we really want. And Mm so I have a little notebook where I write down my goals, like as if I've already achieved them. Mm-hmm. So whatever is important to me, I write them down. I'm actually thinking about transitioning that to index cards where I have them kind of like visible. And then I have uh, a vision board where I have like here in my office, I'm looking at it where I have like pictures of the things that like remind me of my goals mm-hmm. uh, because visuals can, especially for people who are visual, like visual learners and visual people, I'm very visual. Mm-hmm. I look at them and I'm like, oh yeah, that's something that's important to me. And so in coaching, I talk about this a lot. Visual anchors are really important. So having things that remind us of what's important, what goals we're working on. So it could be a a picture on our phone, on our screensaver, a photo frame, uh, post-its, the vision board, the quote, whatever it is that helps uh, remind us of our goals. Mm -hmm. So I would say if you're hesitant about it, like try it, give it a shot Mm -hmm. and see what happens for you. I'm hoping that if anyone's listening to this, they are open to it. <laughs> yeah, I would <laughs> you know? think so. But um, you never know because some people just aren't exposed to these kind of things. You know, it's something yeah. that I wish that was taught. There's so many things. Pretty much everything that I talk about on the podcast, I wish was taught to us mm-hmm. as children. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. how not to get in debt, how to fight fairly with your spouse, how to eat properly, like all real life things. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I... I just really wish that they were taught to me at a younger age. But okay, so the next thing that I wanted to ask is that everyone is obviously motivated by different things. And so is there a way to figure out what would motivate you personally? Because an example I have is one time I was trying to convince my husband to, for us to not keep eating out. For me, mm-hmm. the reason was when I eat out, I want to indulge. I want to have a dessert. I want to have mm-hmm. all these things. And when I told my husband, you know, I really think we should try to eat in more. Mm-hmm. And I said, because I'm trying to, you know, be careful with my diet and we're trying to be healthier. It, it wasn't really selling it for him, you know, <laughs> but then I realized, yeah. so what I did was, you know, start thinking about how much money we spend mm. on eating out and just mm. that little twist of, it's mm. the same thing, right? Is to say, well, look, this is how much money we could save, mm. or this is how much money we're spending suddenly he was on board for eating mm-hmm. in. And so I, I do think it's really important to figure out what gets you going. And this topic also makes me think about managers at an office, because mm. if you're a manager and you're trying to inspire, motivate a team, every single team member is inspired or motivated by different things. Some needs, you know, words of affirmation, some need a Starbucks gift card, yep. whatever it is. So Do you have any tools or any thoughts on how to figure out what motivates you? Not officially what motivates you, but what what 
um, I thought about as you were talking was um, I'm wrapping up this uh, Brene Brown's a Dare to Lead training program. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things apart, as part of that tra training program is really getting clear on our values. And so she has like, and I think it's up on her website. So if you go to Dare to Lead on her website resources, there's like uh, worksheets you can download. And so she lists out a whole bunch of values and you taste kind of take your time and think about like, which ones are the most important for me. And so getting really clear on that can help when we think about work situations or personal situations. For example, one of mine is connection. It's actually my top uh, value. And so for me, when I sat in my office alone behind a spreadsheet, Mm -hmm. With no, inter or hardly, you know, if we were really busy, I wasn't going and people weren't coming into my office. I wasn't, you were know, working. That was very draining for me <clears throat> because I wasn't connecting with people. Mm -hmm. So connection is very high for me. And so if my manager didn't connect with me or I didn't uh. connect with my manager, I mean, my, I was depleted. I was like drained. And so getting really clear on what's, what's important to us, values, uh, like you said, the uh, words of affirmation, right? The five love languages. That's mm -hmm. like, and I think they make it for work. They have like a workplace version as well. But thinking about that, like I'm a words of affirmation person. So knowing that uh, for words of affirmation, my husband is not a words of affirmation person. So personally, how do I get that? Um, you know, if I cook dinner one day and he's, you know, he forgets to say he liked it and I'm a words of affirmation person and I really tried hard. I'll say, did you know, Jose, what did you think about the about the meal and he might say oh, it's good because he's not mm. a words of affirmation person mm -hmm. oh cool well, what did you like about it you know like i dig right because that's what i need he doesn't mm -hmm. need that right like so oh, he doesn't need it as much as i do so looking for ways to or being proactive too right so words of affirmation that i know that's who i am okay so i i ask for it too so if i connection i look for ways to connect i schedule lunch with a friend Mm. I schedule the check-in with my manager to make sure that I'm filling those buckets, mm. the things that are important to me. I love that. I, I think anyone who hasn't read, you know, the five love languages, that's super, it's mm -hmm. super key. Not really just about a lot of the times I feel like we know what our love language is, but if you can learn how to speak someone else's love language, it's so powerful just the yeah. simply just paying attention to how they need you to share that. You know what I mean? It's as simple as maybe your husband or even your sister is it loves gifts. Mm -hmm. Even it doesn't have to be an expensive thing. A small thing makes them feel really valued or, you know, my, my husband is definitely physical touch. And so if we're sitting on the couch and I, you know, rub his hand or his shoulder or something, he immediately feels really mm -hmm. fulfilled. Yeah, I do really love. Yeah. That. And for people who don't know it, so the five love languages are um, physical touch, mm -hmm. words of affirmation, acts of service, gifts, and quality time. And so, for example, it can also help when we realize that, that they're sending us the love the way they you'd like to give it. So mm -hmm. my husband is huge acts of service. So he may not tell me, uh, my dinner was great, right? Mm -hmm. Naturally, but he will, you know, wake up in the morning and make me my cup of coffee and make me breakfast. And I know he's showing me, he loves me. And so I can appreciate that and say, Oh, look, he's acts of service right there. He's trying to show me he loves me. And so, mm -hmm. um, to being aware of what your partner's, uh, love languages are, 
what your own or, you know, I have a friend who always sends gifts and I'm like, Oh, she's a gifts person. So I try to reciprocate that, you know, so being, so even just being aware of it and the book has a little quiz so you can figure out which ones are your top ones, but we, we all like all of them, but, um, we have some top ones. Making me think of, I need to send my sister a gift. She always, <laughs> she a gift. She, yeah. Well, actually, if my sister does listen to this, one of them, a few years ago, I got really upset because I said, every single year I send you a Christmas present or a birthday present or whatever. Mm. And we don't live in the same state, but you never, and every single year now she sends me something because she didn't realize, you know, how Mm. much it meant to me. Mm. And I just kept it in because I just assumed everybody felt like me and needed to Mm. express it the same way. And I would get upset in my head. Like, how could she not blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Yeah. How could she not know? But you don't know unless you express it. Anyway, it made me think about my other sister who came and stayed with me, sent me a postcard and she loves more than anything in this world, written notes. And so I need to take the time and send that to her. Go ahead. Sorry. One one little quick thing I want to say Mm -hmm. about that. So in this, uh, Brene Brown's, uh, training that I'm completing, one of the things she says that we can use as a tool is to, we're trying to tell someone something like that, right? Like, Hey, I don't think that, you know, I don't feel loved or, you know, whatever, uh, to start it off by saying the story I'm making up is Mm. so like, if you were having this conversation with your sister, the story I'm making up is that you don't really love me as much as I love you because you don't send me Mm. a card every, every birthday. Yeah. And then that kind of, it's, so it's like, so we don't start off by saying, why don't you, why don't you, especially if we start with why it's people are already defensive. Right. But like, oh, you know, you never send me and using never always. Right. I know this is not goal setting, but I feel like it's, (laughs) no, it is the story I'm making up Jose, my husband is that you didn't love my dinner, Mm. that you didn't appreciate all the work I put into it. And then it's, it's like, oh, that's not, oh no, people usually don't realize, oh no, that's not what I intended at all. I was just distracted thinking about work and I was really hungry. So I just started eating and, you know, so I encourage you to think about when you're having a conversation and trying to tell people, you're making up things in your mind, Mm -hmm. you go to the person and you say, the story I'm making up is blank. I think that just makes you, puts you in a more vulnerable position Mm -hmm. where the person listening to it um, puts their guards down, you know, because it's Mm -hmm. less of an attack and more, I don't know, being way more open. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause we're owning, Hey, this may not be the truth. This is what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. And so it's um, you know, the person is less defensive and we're taking ownership that this may not be true at all. This is just what my mind is making up. We have, our minds are very powerful and we make up, we have great imaginations and we can make up things and assume things. So, (sighs) so many good things. It is all connected though to goals because, you know, if we're talking about the five love languages, your goal is to make your partner feel good. Your goal Mm. is to make your employee Mm-hmm. Um, feel valued. So these tools are super helpful. So the last question I had written down was, okay, it might not need to be exactly, should we have a maximum amount of goals or just one at a time, but maybe a better way to rephrase it is what's a good way to start out with goals? Mm-hmm. You know, if you've never written them down, you've never done goals before, Mm-hmm. Um, what's a good place for someone to start to just come up mm-hmm. with a few or mm-hmm. what are the biggest things that they've dreamed of or yeah, what's a good way to go about that? Mm-hmm. I usually like, I would say to someone who's brand new to goal setting is to start with the few. 
Right. Mm-hmm. So don't overwhelm yourself with, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to run a marathon. I'm going to start a business. And then I'm going to start, you know, like, um, it can paralyze us. So start with mm-hmm. a few and then start really, really, really small. So if it's running, I like to use that one because it just seems simple. I want to run a 5k. Okay. Start back up and say, okay, I'm going to run for three minutes or I'm going to walk for two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, and then I'll up it. Uh, so starting really, really small. And then we, um, because we're achieving something, which we're tracking it, right. Um, we start gaining some confidence mm-hmm. and some momentum. Uh, Cause what I see a lot of times happen with clients is they might say, oh, you know, I want to work out. I know, I know Lupe, you don't understand. I'm really motivated. Okay. And so the, I'm going to work out two hours or I'm going to work out in the morning and the afternoon. Right. And it's mm-hmm. like, and they might do it for a little while. Right. And we all are guilty of this. Not just, you know, we're all, you know, we set a goal and like, I want to eat healthy. So I'm going to eat salads every week, every weekday for lunch. Right. And then, mm-hmm. you know, we're busy and we eat the Chick-fil-A and so <laughs> we feel like failures. Right. And so like starting really like small, like I'm going to eat a salad on Mondays. That's my goal right. for lunch. Um, and then, um, and tracking it and, uh, and, and then we start building momentum and confidence in what we, um, want to achieve. I love that. Breaking it down, making it small. You did that with, um, your Peloton when you first got it, didn't you mm-hmm. promise mm-hmm. to do just, was it 15 ten, minutes of 10 minutes? I, I did 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Peloton sh- should sponsor this episode. <laughs> I, <do. laughs> I am available for sponsorship Peloton. No, yeah. But like I actually, when I, I'd had the Peloton for a while and I read this book, um, Atomic Habits, and it really changed. I'd read several books on habits before that, but this one, I really liked how it explained it very clearly and starting really small. And um, so that was my goal, 10 minutes. And I, you know, I got messages from my sister saying, oh, come on, you can do more than 10 minutes. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> but I was very, uh, and sometimes I did, but for the most part, I said, if I did my 10 minutes, I'd jump off the bike because that's what I said I was going to do. And if mm-hmm. I made it heavier, I may not jump on the bike. If I said it has to be 30 minutes, I may not jump on. So I started with 10. And what have you worked up? What's your longest ride now? I actually like to keep it to around 30 minutes and, uh, and then I'll do an arm workout weights and stuff. So, um, around 40 minutes is what I'm doing. I, I probably could do more, but that feels good enough where I feel energized and uh, yeah. my cardio. And yeah. that's awesome though. You started at 10, you know, and that you've been able yeah. to work your way up like that. Um, Lupe, this has been so nice and I'm so glad that we didn't just talk, you know, kind of step one, step two, step three for goals, but kind of went a little bit more into the deeper meaning behind, you know, I love how you were saying, what kind of a person, who do you want to be when you run that marathon? Mm -hmm. Because I think that is more motivating. And I think a lot of people use, you know, what is your why? Um, why are you trying to do this? But if listeners are trying to find you, Um, what is the best place for them to reach you? And also Lupe recently launched a podcast. So tell us a little bit about where to reach you and what your podcast is about. So my website is lupeprado.com and on Instagram, I'm Lupe Prado Coaching and that's Prado, P-R-A-D-O. And I recently launched Paid Vocation, uh, my podcast, where I interview people who are doing work they love. So it's stories around um, how um, people have found uh, what they love to do and their journeys to get there. And it's just a place. And I'll also be sharing tips, coaching tips, kind of like what we talked about today around identity or goal setting. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just a place that you can go to feel uplifted. I love that. So good. I always <laughs> feel uplifted when I talk to you. 
Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And I hope you have a good evening. Thank you. Hi, friend. Thank you so much for sharing your time with me today. Did you find value in this episode? I would really appreciate it if you would rank and review it on Apple Podcasts as it helps so much with ranking and visibility. And do you know someone who needs to listen to this episode? Simply click on the episode on whatever app you're on and click the share button and text, email, or share it on social media with them. Wherever you are in the world right now, I'm sending you all of my love and hope that you're happy, healthy, and well. Much love, Estelle May.